The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast, and it is presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You know all about the promo code PODCAST1 and that 100% sign-up bonus which is awesome. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns, and then back to the Redskins, actually. Much to my surprise, my dad's 5'9", 170 pounds. Did not think on my wedding day I would be six foot five, 337 pounds. But such is life. Football career enabled me to have a media career, enabled me to start all these podcasts that I love doing. A lot of you love listening. Really appreciate when you spread the word, either verbally or text your buddies or social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. All of our podcasts can always be found at RTF Podcast. So as soon as it's posted, boom, it's up there so that you know. And then Steve Fezzik is my co-host here for the Even Money Podcast. He's the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. Kind of a big deal. It's the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. I don't know anybody that knows the math better than him. So today will be interesting because we've got Steve, who's all in on the math, and my buddy Nick Costos, who is a ball of energy, an absolute ball of energy. By the way... If you haven't as of yet, or if you are living under a rock, Mother's Day is Sunday. The good news for you is that this show comes out on Wednesday, so it's not too late to go to 100flowers.com and click on the radio icon and use the code football to get your mom or any moms in your life flowers, or to go to myfrontpagestory.com. If you want a code there, you can use the code SD. 20 SD Sally David 20 for 20% off and you're all good there. Either way, we've got you covered for mother's day. All right. So Steve, we've got quite the treat today. This is a guy I have known since 2007, believe it or not, when 
he was a producer and I was on air at Sirius XM. We worked together for, I don't know, five, six years before he went off to CBS Sports and other places. Now we're back together. We're co-hosts on You Better You Bet, the daily sports betting podcast that will come back as soon as sports come back. Highly encourage you to check it out on Twitter at You Better You Bet and check him out on Twitter at the Costos. He is the one and only Nick Costos. Nick, thanks for coming on the show. Ross and Steve, what's going on, my guys? Hope you guys and your families continuing to stay safe and appreciate the invite onto the show. Yeah, so here's here's my question just to start. Did you when you were producing at Sirius XM, were you were you hoping to eventually get on air or did it just kind of happen? Um well uh so when I graduated from Fordham, when I went to Fordham from two thousand one to two thousand five I worked at uh, WFUV 90.7, and Fordham's starting to get acclaim now. Is kind of like turning out tons of tons of great sports broadcasters. Um, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that, that I'm one of those guys. So I worked at WFUV 90.7 you know, my entire college career, and I won a New York State Broadcasting Award for best live coverage of a local event at the 2004 NFL Draft when Eli Manning was uh, – when the Giants traded for the rights to Eli Manning. And we beat all the professional radio stations in the country – or in New York at that point to win that award. So I always knew Ross that like I had it in me to be able to do the, um, the honor stuff. But after I graduated college, I was not really interested in moving. I got off in Buffalo. I got a job offer in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I didn't want to move at the time. Like, like I, I was, all my friends were here. My family was here locally. When I say here, I mean, New York where I grew up. So I didn't want to move. And um, I had interned at Sirius in 2004 and um, I saw Steve Cohen and Nick Pavlados, whom, you know, Steve is the, the SVP of sports programming at Sirius. Nick has run the NFL channel since its inception, basically saw them at a Giants game and we were like, oh, maybe come in and, ch- and, and check this out for us. And I got hired after college and I started with off air stuff then. And then I really liked it for a long time. And then the itch kind of got to me a little later on. I was like, you know what? I, I know that I can do stuff on the air. And Ross, without saying names, I'm sure it's, you'll know some of the people I'm talking about. I would work with some talents and be like, wow, like I'm definitely better than this person. So I, I just knew I could do it. And then I really wanted to, to make the leap and actually give it, a, give it a shot. And I'm happy I did. And now you're very successful doing videos for Sports Illustrated about sports betting. And obviously the You Better You Bet show on the radio.com app. So what is your background in betting? Like, how long have you been betting before we dive into it? Because I've been seeing your tweets about Korean baseball. So before we dive into that, how did the whole betting thing happen? Well, you know, it was my senior year of college. Um, and I've been a lifelong, like, diehard sports fan. So I've always, like, been super into sports. And then once, like, kind of betting got introduced, like, into my life and into the lives of our friends, like, one of my buddies was, you know, in my senior year of college, 2004, fall 2004, was like, you know, you know, I've got this, this opera, this sheet or whatever. And like, we can like bet on games. And like, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Like, I think I lost, and maybe this was a harbinger of things to come. I think I lost like my first, like 10 or 11 bets. Like it was like an unbelievable streak. Like we did not know what we were doing. And there was one bet that really stands out. Oklahoma played Oklahoma state. Um, Oklahoma state um, was, I want to say Oklahoma state was the ranked team on the road at Oklahoma. Oklahoma was unranked. And Oklahoma State, I think, was like a – or Oklahoma was maybe a one-point um, home favorite. They were a home underdog. And we were like, wow, Oklahoma State's ranked in Oklahoma. Isn't. Let's bet a lot of money on Oklahoma State. And, of course, Oklahoma ended up blowing them out because, you know, like, when you have an unranked underdog, that's generally a pretty decent bet. So that's one that's always stuck out to me. And from there, it was kind of like 
love affair with it because it really amplifies like the sport experience here. You know, I'm not saying that people should be you know, gambling out of their means or anything like that, but I mean, you put a couple shekels down on like a Pirates Brewers game that's otherwise innocuous in the middle of June, that turns into Game Seven of the World Series. So, really, been a love affair with me for gambling on now for over 15 years now, basically, yeah, since 2004. All right, so let's talk about what the last almost two months have been for you, have been like for you now, as well as your long-held passion for Korean baseball. Okay, well, the Korean baseball thing is just like something to gamble on, something to do, something to have some action on. Like, I am not like diving deep in and like handicapping these games. So far, I think I'm up one dollar betting on Korean, literally up a dollar betting on on Korean baseball through a couple days here. Just something to do. And I stayed up the other night and I actually watched um, most of that uh, that first game, which started with the rain delay because 2020 sucks and it's the absolute worst. Um, But the last two months have been, you know, it's been kind of like a kind of nice in one respect and like i don't and i don't want to like make it seem like there's like any real silver lining in this because there isn't but i mean if we're going to try and fabricate one like it's kind of nice to get a little bit of a break you know i've i've kind of you know i've got outside interests in my life and like i always say that like it kind of sucks because it doesn't suck because i love sports but sports like dominates what i do to such an unbelievable degree like even like without sports betting and even like without this being my job like, this has always been what I've been into. Like, it's always been what I've done. Like, people ask me, like, oh, like, what do you watch on television? What shows do you watch? Like, I don't really watch shows. Like, I watch sports. Like, I watch a couple shows. But, like, for the most part, it's really just sports. So it's really been over the course of these these last couple months it's been. I've been listening to music I had never listened to. I've been watching a lot of movies that I've always wanted to watch, trying to watch some TV shows that, that I'd never watched and wanted to, and just trying to, like, find inspiration in, in different places I I've been gardening at my new place. You know, these are all things that I never would have done before that I'm trying to take advantage of and um, with the time right now and, and do it because, like, the sports stuff, like, I know so much about this stuff already, and I don't say that to be braggadocious. Like, Ross, you've known me for a long time. Like, Steve, this is our first conversation. But, I mean, like, I'll be able to drop right in when sports comes back, and I'll be raring to go, and, 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 and there's no doubt about that. So I'm really trying to take this time and just try and better my life in, in other ways and explore some other passions. Steve, I want to bring you in here on a specific question that I think we've talked about before. So the difference is, right, is that Nick has a really successful media career um, and gambles on the side, but isn't necessarily making his living from betting on sports. It's just, you know, part of what he talks about, et cetera. Whereas, Steve, your your primary income is on what you win from from betting so would you do you ever bet something steve because you are itching to bet something like korean baseball like it's a big part of the entertainment value and that's what nick just explained or unless you are confident or believe that you have an edge do you shy away oh i shy away now i may well say i'm going to handicap korean baseball because it's the only game in town and look to make money that way. But the idea of, uh, if you're, I, I get it. If you're a recreational better, it's fun to put a bet on Korean baseball. And I'm not saying that that's not a, a fun thing to do. But for me, it's all about making money. And because of that, I'm like the worst guy you can imagine to be in a casino with. Because if you try to play a slot machine or play craps or play roulette, 
I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, it's like there's ways to win in this casino. Why would you go to a roulette wheel? Let's go to the poker room. So I'm a serious drag when it comes to recreational gambling, Ross. Got it. So, and for you, it's interesting because we're gonna we're gonna dive into this a little bit. But for you, it's really all math, right? I mean, because you know when we make the picks every week, and I had a really good year, and you had a solid year. I'm doing it based on what I know about the teams, what I think is going to happen. You, like everything you do, is it fair to say, is primarily based on math and the odds. And that's like why you would never bet like a MVP bet or a Super Bowl futures bet, et cetera. Well, I hate to say never because there are times I'll rarely make bets like that. But the reason is that the math in these pools for these futures, we've spoken about that. The house vigorous is so high that it's hard to find good mathematical bets. Having said that, when you're handicapping sports, you need to, it's not just pure math in the sense that your parameters, you have to go ahead and assess how players are going to react in certain situations. And that's part of the math. So if the Miami Dolphins are completely unhappy with what's going on at the beginning of the year and they're playing Baltimore or New England uh, to start the year, you've got to go ahead and say it's not just the players on the field, but sometimes it's the attitude of the players. Certainly that's part of the mathematical equation of setting a line. So, and then Nick on your end, like I know you like the idea of Jerry Judy as offensive rookie of the year in the NFL you look at it and see there's a pretty big number there. You know it's a long shot because there's Joe Burrow and DeAndre Swift and all these other guys, but you like taking some long shots. You know the math might not be in your favor, but you think that there's a chance Judy has it and it'd be a big hit for you if he gets it. Well, I mean, look, and like I can kind of get the actual rationale behind why I think the Jerry Judy pick is a good pick. Like, it's not definitely that he's going to but I think there's a strong case to be made that there's some there's some value there with Jerry Judy but like and, and I fully respect you know Steve's approach to everything and Steve you know you're doing this for a living and I think if I were doing this for a living I would probably be a lot more conservative as well and I don't think there's anything wrong with that I that's actually that's really smart but I mean you know coming at it from my angle and this is what I said you know like I think I'm a, a pretty decent handicapper and I think I'm a pretty decent gambler like I do things recreationally so I'm not you know necessarily like like it's not life or death whether I whether I win these bets because I have I make a good living in in, in the media. So we approach it differently. Where some of this is for content, right? Where it's like I get asked questions like this when we do an interview like this. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna be entertaining if you know someone asks me, well, what do you like? Well, I don't bet any futures because like I don't think there's any value. I have to be able to come up with something. So ergo, like you come up with something like Jerry Judy, offensive rookie of the year, where, and it becomes a talking point over the course of the year. Right? So let's say I bet on Jerry Judy and I say it on you better you bet. And it's my favorite futures bet, which it won't be, but let's just say that it is for the purpose of this conversation. And Jerry week one for the Broncos goes, you know, two targets, one reception, seven yards. Now that's a fun talking point on the show where it's like, it just, everything kind of turned into Everything's content, and I think that's kind of the difference in the way it gets approached between a pro gambler and then someone in the media like me, who I admit, you know, my full-time job is not a better. I'm a, I'm a host and an entertainer, first and foremost, where everything is kind of content, and content supersedes everything. So what's most important is not winning money on when I bet on sports. It's me entertaining the audience and informing the audience and giving the audience before they come to us. On you better, you better. And I think that's probably the big difference between the two philosophies. 
You know what I like about it, Steve? What I like about it, I want to get your feedback. I like that Nick admits that and says that because I think that there are too many people out there that that is the case. Like, they're really like Nick, but they act like they're being like you, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think what, what's interesting, Ross, is that I could make a case that you are the exception to almost every media person because I'll be honest. I've been scanning all the headlines. I've yet to see a oh, headline, a media um, guy quits his job to go gamble on sports. Because let's face <laughs> it, if, if it was that easy to do, you could, and you could pick winners, you could make a whole lot of money betting on sports. But it's difficult. And I love the fact, Ross, that you've had a tremendous amount of success picking winners, actually, over the past four years that we've been doing this. And it really puts you in the stratosphere, in my opinion. And, and, you know, having an Ivy League education probably helped. And playing in the NFL certainly has helped. So you, you're uniquely qualified. But there's nothing wrong with having a take and, and providing content. Oftentimes my takes are negative. Look at the Jets. They just signed Gore. Everyone's talking about, oh, nothing but happy accolades about it. Terrible signing. Gore can't run a lick. I don't understand it. Why would the Jets – Find a guy that should be retired. So there's content for you. Well, I'm going to let Nick chime in because I saw his tweet at the Costos. He's sharing a brain with you on the Gore on the uh, Gore signing, Nick. Well, you know, I got I, someone tweeted me and goes, "Well, he's going to be great in the locker room for Le'Veon Bell." Ross, can I curse on this podcast or no? Uh, I'd rather you did not. I'd rather you did okay, not. Okay, okay, I won't. That's why. That's why I asked. You think Le'Veon Bell is going to give one single solid? about what Frank Gore has to say. Le'Veon Bell doesn't even care what his head coach Adam Gase has to say. You think he's going <laughs> to care about what, what Frank Gore says? There's just no chance. Like, what was the point of, of giving Le'Veon Bell that money? And I understand that that wasn't what Gase wanted. and It was a different general manager. I understand. But the fact of the matter is, is that you paid Le'Veon Bell. Then why did you draft Michael P. Ryan in the fourth round if Frank Gore's going to be there? Like, we were all saying last year, every single time, especially in that playoff game against the Texans for the Bills, every single time Frank Gore got a carry instead of Devin Singletary, an angel was stripped of its wings and flung down into the fiery gates of hell. Like, Frank Gore should not be on an end anymore. Like, and I don't know, Ross, if you were referencing the fact that I don't think Frank Gore should belong in the Hall of Fame or not, but that's a story for another time. But, lad, I mean, Frank Gore's been done. He was done last year in Buffalo. I think the signing makes no sense. Like, veteran leadership. Like, get the hell out of here. Like, Le'Veon Bell doesn't care at all about what Frank Gore's got to say. All right, so let's let's get to the schedule release because it comes out tomorrow night. Now, the three of us know that we already know every opponent for every NFL team and should already have that baked into the win totals that we've been giving out on this podcast, even money as well as Nick that you and I talked about on You Better You Bet's countdown to the draft, right? We already know who the crossover games are, what divisions they're playing, etc. And yet every year when the schedule is released, things will come out. I'm going to start with you on this, Steve. How much of what will come out tomorrow night is in your mind actionable, whether it's a three-game road trip or early bye week or what have you? Are you are you at a sports book, Steve, ready to make some bets based on when the schedule comes out and realizing certain teams that have more favorable or less favorable schedules? Or 
Is it the exact opposite, a big fat zero in your mind? Somewhere in between. For the most part, my focus is week one, because what happens is that a whole lot of sports books will put up lines on week one when those, when that, when those initial um, matchups are presented. And that's where you can really attack, because frankly, I know how good these teams are a lot more right now than the sports books do. They're just going to throw some numbers up because they know they're going to get a whole lot of action and things will be actionable. Example, last year, anyone want to guess? What do you think Baltimore opened at Miami last year? Well, like Go minus ahead, seven, something like that, and closed at minus five and a half, like the line towards the Dolphins, and I think the Ravens closed at five. Actually opened Baltimore minus three, went all the way to seven, oh, and that's... then some money came in at the very end on the Dolphins and closed six and a half. But where, what I'm getting at is betting Baltimore minus three is not gambling. Betting Baltimore minus three is winning. That's just making good investments. And that was a, a viable number. So I'm hoping that we'll see bets like that again. Um, and I expect we will come up this year. Uh, as far as the schedule, the fact that the international games got canceled is really a big negative because, frankly, it, it really – a big part of my schedule analysis or part of uh, – schedule analysis is one thing. That's who you play. The uh, When you play them and how much you have to travel is a pretty significant deal in my eyes, and the fact that you don't have to go to London and – details like that certainly make it less significant, making it less likely not to be a big fat zero Ross, but um, not as important. And obviously there's um, without, if there's not going to be any fans in the stands or limited fans, all of a sudden having to go to certain places like at new Orleans, at Minnesota, it's going to be less difficult with less crowd noise. And because of that, there'll be dynamics associated with that as well. What about you, Nick? Tomorrow night, will you be firing off week one bets? Will you be? Will it change any of your win total thoughts? What do you think? Well, I don't think it'll change any of my win total thoughts, and I'm not going to place any week one bets, but I'm going to start thinking about kind of that stuff right now because that's what's fun. And look, we need content right now. There's nothing else going on in the sports world. So, And also, like, I, you know, I enjoy the stuff. You know, aside from it being my job, this would be kind of something that I'd be into on a group chat with my friends talking about the week one line. So, so very much into it. And, and I would also add this year, I'm sure the team agrees and Ross, I'm sure you agree or anyone with a, a brain would agree that, you know, given what's going on with the coronavirus here, that like we may, what the schedule gets released on Thursday night, like it may actually not end up looking like that for whatever the reason may be, if it's delayed, if this games are cut out. So I'm not going to put a ton of stock into it. I'm looking at it more as like an entertainment event and really to create some talking points and to get like my juices flowing, not just as a member of the sports media, the sports gambling media, but also as just, you know, an NFL fan, a sports fan, and someone who likes to gamble. So uh, let's get to a couple that you like, Nick. Um, obviously, people that have heard us together on You Better You Bet have heard some of these, but let's get to a couple that you like, some win totals that you are really into. I think... Steve agrees with at least two or three. Let's start with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think the Browns are going to go over, and I think that's around eight and a half right now. I do think that's a nine football team. And we, I don't think we can kind of oversell how big of a coaching upgrade Kevin Stefanski is over Freddie Kitchens. And I don't even know if Kevin Stefanski is going to be a good head coach or not. All I know is that mathematically, like in terms of probability, the Browns went from Hugh Jackson to Freddie Kitchens. And, and like, and there's just no chance that this guy's going to be one of the worst coaches we've ever seen, like Hugh Jackson was, and then like Freddie Kitchens was with the Browns. 
Browns have a really good roster, had a really good roster last year, held back by inept coaching. And I think they've really helped out Baker Mayfield. Like, I love the signing of Austin Hooper, love the signing of Jack Conklin to man the, the right side. Jedrick Will's going to play left tackle here for the Browns, drafted at 10th overall here. Obviously got weapons on offense. I like some of the moves they made on defense with the you know, defensive tackle and the tracker. Um, Elliot, um, I, I'm fans of what the, of what the Browns have done here. And I, I think that roster is very good. I think that's a nine win team at worst this season. And then on the flip side, the Baltimore Ravens, you like the under, I do like the Ravens under, and that's less an anti Ravens pick. Because I still think the Ravens are going to be very good, and I think they're going to be a playoff team. But like the AFC North is going to be a lot better than it was last year, and I think that kind of plays into this as well, right? Pittsburgh's going to get back Ben Roethlisberger, and we're hearing that it's going to be Steelers-Eagles um, opening week one Sunday night football, which would be absolutely awesome. So Steelers are going to get Ben Roethlisberger back, and obviously like a terrible quarterback situation there last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges once, once Ben went down. We just said that we think the Browns are going to be better. Like the Bengals actually can't be worse. Than they were last year, and Joe Burrow's gonna, I think, gonna add an immediate spark there. They get last year's first round pick, Jonah Williams, back from injury, and that roster is really not terrible. Like I'm not saying they're gonna be nine and seven, eight and eight, but they're not gonna be a two and fourteen train wreck like number one overall pick in the draft like they were a year ago. So I guess my Ravens under pick is less because I think Baltimore's not good, and more just that like this division's gonna be better than it was last year, and that's gonna be a war of attrition in that AFC North. Steve, your thoughts on those two? His two AFC North thoughts. Well, I love the Cleveland idea because the fact you've got back-to-back completely inept coaches and then you have a competent one coming in, that should be worth a couple wins right there. So that's, that's, I think that that's really strong. I can't say it, Baltimore. I think that the fact Baltimore gets not just a one and a two and they got good picks in the first and second rounds by all uh, regards and then getting four picks in the third round, if you contrast them with all the other contenders – um, you know, the Chiefs, the Saints, the 49ers, most of those teams got less than seven picks. So the fact that Baltimore had so much in the draft to add as well, but it all comes down to Lamar Jackson staying healthy and, and the like. And I think if um, Baltimore doesn't drop that playoff game against Tennessee, their season wins 12, but now it's 11 and a half because of that loss. Um, I'm neutral on Baltimore. I can see Cleveland going over. Absolutely. Um, Although I might add, if everybody else is good in the AFC North, that's going to make it harder on Cleveland. But I still think that that would be the way to look with, uh, with Cleveland. I've got to tell you, to throw one out there. I don't see how the Bears are winning over eight games this year. That would be one I'd throw out there. <laughs> and Nick is, feels the exact opposite on that one. He's, he's buying the Bears in terms of maybe even winning the division, which is my last question for you guys today. I know you don't like Steve the futures when it comes to Super Bowls or MVP odds or whatever because you feel like the math's not there, the needle in the haystack. Bet Online has division futures, and they have odds to win the AFC East like Buffalo Bills plus 125, Patriots plus 130, or we were talking NFC North, the Bears are plus 280, Nick likes the Bears, you do not. My question for you on the math side of it, Steve, is what are your thoughts on division futures from a math perspective? Because it's not, it's not as much of a needle in the haystack type. Yeah, because there's four teams instead of 30 teams, so it's better. And I certainly have placed some division bets. But I'll go back to let's break it down. So on the north, Bears to win the division – What's the chance? We got we got the Vikings and the Packers. They're both lined at nine wins. The Bears are lined at eight wins and dropping. 
Um, I think a reasonable, just based upon those numbers, even if he had no opinion, you would say that maybe you'd give, what, 30, something like 32% chance for the Packers, 32% for the Vikings. You're at 64%. You give the Bears uh, maybe a, a, a 23% chance. So at 23% and then com- compare that to a plus 280. And so to overcome it when without going through all the, uh, the math, the Bears have to be significantly better than that 23%. And I... I, I got to tell you, I, I'm a big believer in Zimmer and the Vikings. I, I, I know the Vikings lost a lot in free agency. They had a really good draft. But all things being equal, I don't like the Packers. So what were the Vikings on the division? To win the division, uh, they are plus 180, and the Packers are plus 180. Bears plus 280. Detroit Lions plus 700. Lions going to be a whole lot better without David Blau at quarterback. Um, see, that's the problem. The, the wild card is everyone says, oh, the Lions, they only won three games last year, but Stafford only played half the year. So the Lions could actually be a 500 team. I still think the Vikings plus 180. You could talk me into that as being a decent bet. I, 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 because I, I'm anti-Bears and I'm anti-Packers, so, and the Lions aren't, probably aren't good enough to win the division, so there you go. Well, Nick is definitely anti-Packers as well. I tell you what. I I'm not I'm a little intrigued by the Lions plus 700 getting Stafford back. Question Nick, last one. Do you ever bet division champs like that? I know we talked about content earlier. Do you ever just bet any of the division futures? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um one of the ones that I had last year that lost unfortunately. I bet the Colts to win the AFC South. Andrew Luck retires and it's basically like, okay, yeah, let me um pay my bookie now let me send that payment in so yeah no i i i am very much into that stuff but both both as content creators and also like you know i just think it's fun to kind of mine for value like that and like whether it's you know i think i took the chiefs i want to say super bowl futures maybe in like late october or early november and like that ended up hitting obviously but I, I i like to do some of those bets where like i feel really strong about up one side here now i will say i think steve's right about the vikings and ross like oh, a lot of those bears conversations we had were before the nfl draft like the Vikings had a great draft, and like I'm kind of back on the Minnesota Vikings bandwagon here. Like I don't think the Bears are going to be really bad, but I don't know if I'm as bullish on the Bears. See what I did there? I'm um, heading into uh, heading into the season. Excellent, excellent stuff by my guys Nick Costos and Steve Fezzik. By the way, speaking of excellent stuff, if you are a UFC fan, UFC 249 is coming up May 9th. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast. You'll get a chance to hear former MMA star Chael Sonnen and Bet Online's Dave Mason talk all things UFC 249. So if you want something to bet on, UFC 249, the end of this podcast, make sure you're listening. Bet Online is your online NFL wagering solution. They also obviously. Still have the Daily Madden Simulator, Poker, Blackjack, whatever you guys need, my friends. Just make sure you visit betonline.ag. Don't forget the promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, they are your and my online sportsbook experts. Speaking of experts, Andrew Brandt is the expert when it comes to breaking down the business of the NFL. So highly encourage you to listen to Andrew on today's Ross Tucker football podcast, talking about fifth year options, 
Andy Dalton of the Cowboys, no international games, the Alex Smith documentary, the schedule release. He was awesome today. So certainly check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. And if you like to play fantasy football, and I know a lot of you do, make sure you listen to tomorrow's Fantasy Feast Podcast with Joe Dolan because we are going over all, and I mean all, of the impact rookie wide receivers for fantasy football and the impact they'll have on on veteran players as well. That's tomorrow's Fantasy Feast. Other than that, though, I think we're done here. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money on UFC 249 or whatever you bet on. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, now we are joined by Dave Mason from BetOnline.ag. Dave, we can finally talk about some fights. UFC 249 is going to happen. Let's just start with that, man. Is it, does it feel good to get back to some normalcy? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as I've told you before, UFC is one of my favorite sports, so uh makes it even better. Been waiting a long time here for some real sports action, and it's a great card, too. And three cards within a week, it's looking like, so uh, we're excited. Hey, Dana was just talking about adding a fourth. I mean, if he adds a fourth, not only is that four cards to look forward to, but on an average of 10 fights per card, I mean, if you're a fight fan, you got a busy month ahead. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't wait. Finally put my Netflix machine on the back burner and watch some sports again I'm, i can't wait all right well let's start uh let's start with the main event i mean it's going to be for an interim world title fight you're talking about justin gaethje versus uh versus tony ferguson before we get in the odds of it this fight is different now that it's may 9th as opposed to april 18th in this way justin gaethje accepted that fight on very short notice and even though he was training and kind of keeping his weight down it's totally different to have a signed contract and really be pushing and motivated the mere fact that they've given him three extra weeks to train that does change how this fight looks do you agree no 100 percent. you know those short notice fights are always uh, a tough one for you fighters obviously and we recognize that in the odds and the results when the habib fight got canceled and he had to pull out and and they replaced him with justin gagey i wasn't too disappointed so i sure i want to see habib versus el kukui no doubt, but I mean, you know, from a fan standpoint, just a just a good old slugfest. It's not going to get any better than this one, man. I, I I can't wait. You know, we had Tony Ferguson at minus one seventy two favorite. He's what won won twelve fights in a row, I, and Justin Gagey off a three fight win streak. He's a plus one forty seven underdog. So I I can't wait for this one. Just as a fan of the sport and a fan of competition, that it doesn't get any better than this. There's no way this fight can be boring. It's impossible. Dana White just did an interview. He was promoting this fight and he he said, I guarantee you this will be the most violent fight you've ever seen. And that was a very interesting word. I've, I've never heard him use that word. So I was sitting back and pondering, what exactly does that mean? And do I agree? And you know what? I think he used the right word. This is going to be chaos and violence in a controlled area for up to 25 minutes. No, absolutely. I mean, you look at Ferguson with those elbows. I mean, his pointy elbows and his nonstop pace moving forward. Then Justin Gagey and hit that, that how he hits so hard and he goes in there and the balls to the wall. I mean, it's not going to be any kind of strategy feeling each other out stuff. These guys are going to be going at it, swinging for the fences. Both guys are going to be bleeding. The, the mat's going to be soaked with blood. I, I can't wait. 
All right, so give me a line on it. What's Bet Online thinking about this fight? I imagine they're favoring Tony. Yep, Tony's minus one seventy-two. The take back on Gagey is plus one forty-seven. That's all. Uh, that's all. Yeah, negative ones. That's close. That's close it's, odds. Yeah, I mean it's gone down and up a little bit. It was you know down to about minus one fifty the other day. So it's going up and down. You know, Gagey he just hits so darn hard, and he's on that three-fight win streak. He's hot. You know, it's it's going to be one of those fights. I think it comes down to cardio and Tony. Uh, and Tony gets hit too. He, he's he's awesome. He's one of my favorite fighters, but he, he has been known to get take take a couple hits to the face. So if Gagey can catch him, you, you don't know. You know, he's been knocked down plenty, Ferguson. So, I, but I think Ferguson takes it in deep water with that relentless cardio, and that that's what I'm counting on for a you know fourth fifth round stoppage. All right, so we got we got another title fight. The current champion, Triple C. Henry Cejudo is going to take on former champion Dominic Cruz. You go first on this one, but then you got to let me give you my opinion because I think I have an interesting take. Take it away. Oh, good. Um, you know, Dominic Cruz may be the best fighter at that weight class ever, arguably. Henry Cejudo, man, the way he's poured it on the last couple of years, he's just become, you know, he's always had that potential being the a former Olympic gold medalist, and uh, he, he's really put it together the last year and a half, two years since he beat uh, Demetrius Johnson. Oh, boy. I mean, I, I have to – Judo is a minus 225 favorite, and I'm going to be on him. I mean, it, it, Cruz, it's, he's been off – his last win was almost four years ago. I mean, that's just such a long time. And, he, you know, he came back. He fought those three fights. He looked okay, but he didn't look like it, the dominant Dominic Cruz of, of old. So, you know, that, that four years off is just, is just too much for me. I'm, I'm going to be on Cejudo and who's peaking, and he looks better than ever. All right, Dave, I am not ready to part with my money. I'm not even ready to publicly predict an upset here. However, this has all the makings of an upset. This is a stylistic problem to the highest of levels for Henry. Look, you can tell me on paper that Henry's a better wrestler, and you would be right. He was the Olympic champion. He was the greatest wrestler alive. But you can't show me a whole bunch of his fights where he's ever effectively used his wrestling. I only bring that up because with Dominic's footwork and Dominic's ability to control range, to peck away at you, in many ways, I think you could agree with me that wrestling is not going to be the solidifier in this contest. So if wrestling's not, that only leaves the striking, and Dominic Cruz has only been outstruck one time in his life, and it was a huge shock. So if we're to use history, use the body of work of these two athletes, and agree that there's largely going to be stand-up, that's Dominic's world. In my opinion, this is all the makings for potential upset. That's all I'm saying. I love it. Opposite sides. Let's do it. Okay, so I don't know if you guys are taking action on this one, but I'm going to assume you are because it's Engano versus Rosenstrike. That was scheduled to be a main event, so I'm guessing that Bet Online is looking at it. Am I right? Oh, we have all odds on all the fights. Absolutely. Nagano's currently minus 285 favorite. Take back on Rosenstrike is plus 240. And holy God, is, is this going to be... <laughs> what a matchup this is. I mean, talk about heavy hitters to... Just giants of men, two big heavyweights. I can't wait for this one. Uh, you know, Rosenstrike, he, he's got a great chin. I don't think anybody hits harder than Naganyu, but Rosenstrike has a heavy chin. And so uh, yeah, there's some live dog action there, a plus 240. Sometimes it just comes down to who lands that big shot first. Uh, you know, and Naganyu, I, I sometimes question his cardio. So if, if he swings himself, punches himself out early and, and it's going into two 
second or third round, uh, I, I, I favor Rosenstrike there. I think he can keep moving forward like he did his last fight. And see, that's interesting you bring that up because this is another fight. Because of the change of date, it changes the complexity of the fight. This was originally going to be a main event, which means it was originally going to be yep. a potential of 25 minutes. Now that it's down the card, it's got a maximum of 15 minutes. And to your point about Engano, who does have a little bit of cardio issues, I mean, that's just a reality when you're packing that much muscle around. In many ways, the lower placement favors Engano. Absolutely. I mean, the five-round fight, absolutely. I mean, I don't think those guys can make it in the fourth or fifth round, but the three-round fight absolutely uh, favors Nagano more than it would in a five-round fight. Either way, he's he's the uh, he's a legitimate favorite. But I just like that. I like that live dog money on plus two forty on Rosenstreich. All right, let's talk about the rematch. Uh, Anthony Pettis, Showtime, taking on the Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Donald Cerrone is 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 this too much too soon for Cowboy? I think it is. I mean, especially with his comments that came out the other day where he wasn't mentally into the the, the McGregor fight a few months ago. He didn't look good, and, and he didn't fight well, and, and he confirmed it this week. I don't know if that was just him talking whatever, but he, he's fought so much, man. I mean, there, there's no tougher guy in the sport, but he's just coming to an end i think you know you see it with these guys sometimes and and he he's just been on a he hasn't won much lately and uh pettis you know i've never been a big pettis fan but he he's impressed me the last the last few fights he's one of those guys who i think had always had all the talent but i kind of questioned you know his mindset and, and heart sometimes and again heart for a fighter because i don't have half the heart this guy does but he's he's, he's looked a lot like a lot, lot tougher and he's been in some real wars lately so i just think pettis deserve favor he's minus 136 right now take back on Cerrone he's plus 116 but I don't know Cerrone's just has not looked good the last few fights tough as hell sure but but he's he's going down I think I went back and I rewatched that first fight. Dave, it wasn't competitive in the least. Pettis came out, he hit him with what they called a kick to the body, but it kind of, it almost looked like a knee, like more of the knee hit. I mean, it's just a really hard shot that would stop a fight, and Cerrone was too tough to stop. He tried to push through it, but it was all downhill from there. Pettis kind of peppered him with a couple of kick uh, punches, rather, came back to that exact same shot, that exact same kick, and the exact same yep. part of the body. I had a weird takeaway. Even though I can tell you as a guy that just rewatched this, that was not close that was not competitive it was still one of those nights where you look at pettis and you go good job congratulations but i need to see that again you made that look so easy that i'm not sure that my eyes are telling me that i need to see that fight again is that too big of a stretch for me no, I mean, let, let's run it back, right? You know, it, it, both are definitely past their prime. And that was right before I think Pettis won the belt, I believe. So that's right when he was at, at his peak. But yeah, let's let's run it back. Two guys are legends and, and um, let, let's run it back. You know, I, I just think Pettis has a little bit more in him right now. And Cerrone is, is just, he's been getting beat up too. You know, he's he's been taking a beating too. And I don't like to see that in these fighters once they start losing that chin and start going down a lot. No, I hear you. Look, as a fighter, you're never done with this sport, but you will wake up one day and this sport is done with you. And I, I don't know that either one of these guys is in that spot. I don't wish that for him, but that is a reality that might might unfold in front of us on May 9th. Absolutely. We'll find out, and it's a great card. I can't wait. Dave, I appreciate you, buddy. I miss talking to you. I'm glad we finally have something to catch up on. Thank you, pal. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Take care.